This is Father David Nix with the Padre Peregrino podcast, and we are so glad to be joined with our former co-host from last year, or was it two years ago, with Romecast, Andromeda. Andromeda, welcome back. Hello, Father Nix. So glad to be back. I actually wanted to be here, folks. <laughs> I had to twist Andromeda's arm two years ago, but she wanted to talk about this topic, and I'm excited about to talk about this topic. Also, we're going to call this medicine for overpopulation. You're going to get that that's a double entendre a little bit later. Um, Andromeda is really the perfect pick. You know, you would actually been a trophy for the liberals because you're half Asian, half Arabian and a Berkeley grad. And then you told me something the other day that really made me realize you would be the perfect trophy for the liberals to have, but you're more traditional than me. That's what's so funny about all this. Um, and so tell me about that, that night of hacking. I mean, it was more than a night. It was what a year or two of hacking, but Tell me about going up that post in San Francisco when you were living as a little hacker before your conversion, (laughs) before her conversion. We'll get to that. Yeah. So I was just telling uh, Father Nix, uh, I don't think, I think we were talking about this. I'm not sure. Um, And and this very topic that we're going to talk about today. But I mentioned to him that while I was living in San Francisco and I was living like right in the middle of the downtown on this Um, kind of grimy street called uh, Levensworth in the middle of the Tenderloin. And I had, I'm in this big kind of converted apartment building with a giant um, kind of like, I don't know, vent or shaft that went from the basement uh, where I also rented a storage space and uh, all the way to the roof. (laughs) So I, um, was a hacker at that time and put some equipment downstairs, uh, but I didn't want it, uh, my activity to be traced. Hi, this was when I was young. And so I like climbed up the shaft and like uh, wired this stuff to, you know, just random wires um, uh, off telephone poles <laughs> so that I could do dial in. This was like dial in, you know. Um, That's hacking. when we heard the squeal on uh, the motor. Yes. The dying duck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, it was very funny. My friends got a big kick out of it that weren't involved with all this. Uh, some of my girlfriends, when they saw me dressed uh, in like a karate uniform one day, a black karate, they're like, what are you doing? Why do you have a pocket knife like strapped around your waist in a karate uniform? I'm like, I need to climb up on the roof and hook up my network. <laughs> so in any case, um, a uh, little confession from pre-conversion time. Yeah. And so that's where it's great. I mean, it's so funny because people can say, oh, Father Nix is a white conservative priest, but Andromeda is what your dad is like Saudi Arabian royalty. He's Saudi, yeah. Your mom is either Vietnamese or Chinese. We haven't figured that out. And then you were a Berkeley grad as a, you were, I mean, you were born in Vietnam. You're a Berkeley grad. Um, and then you've only been going now since your conversion or at least years after your initial conversion, you're going only going to Latin mass. Well, that makes you bulletproof as far as the things we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to give everyone a little overview of what we're going to do. You know, usually podcasts, blog posts, or podcasts are back and forth, but today's a little bit different. I'm going to present for about 20 minutes, and then Andromeda is going to present for about 20 minutes. And here's my topic. I'm going to talk about what something Hitler called Lebensraum, which was room for the Germans to live. Hitler called it that because he couldn't just come out and say, we're going to go kill six to 11 million Jews. He had to package his idea for the expanse of Germany um, in in something that was relatively attractive and just breathing room. Lebensraum is breathing room. Maybe people saw my blog post about this. Um, We're seeing a new twist to this today. 
And that's where Andromeda is going to talk about literally medicines that the left is going to use, as well as why there really is enough room on the planet. So um, why don't I just jump into my little presentation here? You're going to see how all this is connected, how coronavirus is involved in all of this. And basically, let me just jump to my thesis, folks. The globalists are saying, they're saying this in code, but also in plain, plain sight, that a planet without global warming should be a planet for only a few people. And this is because global warming is caused by an increasing population of humans on the planet. And therefore the solution is, and this is a direct quote from Bill Gates. You can go to one of my blog posts called Bill Gates is on a second genocide to watch the YouTube. I have this embedded in there, but this is a direct quote. So you don't think I'm making this up. You can go to my blog and see the embedded YouTube direct quote from Bill Gates here quote. The world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%, end quote. So there, Bill Gates is telling you vaccines and reproductive health services is precisely his goal to reduce the world's population by 10 or 15%. Now, the packaging has to be different from that outrageous mistake. You're not going to find that many places on YouTube, that quote. You will find it, but it's not, of a, not in many places. So the packaging has to be a little bit different. You see, you got to go slower to get most people behind the genocide so it doesn't look like Hitler's plan. But let's look at Hitler's original plan, uh, packaging. That was called Lebensraum. And again, in the early part of World War II, Lebensraum was how Hitler built his plans for expansion to all the German people. And all it really means, Lebensraum essentially means breathing room for the Germans. Now, notice Gates's motive is to reduce the world's population through vaccines and reproductive services. And then we can probably extrapolate from what we've seen in the past year, punishments for those who are found to be non-compliant with their planned overreaction to coronavirus. Um, but none of your average decent citizens out there prefer eugenics or racism or want a deadly vaccine. So Gates and the globalist packaging for their plan for global genocide has to sound really green and responsible. Namely, it's this, that a planet without global warming must be a planet for only a few people. Why? Because global warming is caused precisely by too many people. Now, the big question is who gets the remaining planet? Who gets to stay? Well, the people who believe in what I call a green Lebensraum, green Lebensraum. And Hitler, that's just Hitler's term applied to the climate panic globalists. Um, but now here's their own words. Um, they've tried to trick most people into a good end, just like Hitler did. You know, we need more breathing room for the German people. That's really what they're saying for our current situation. We need more breathing room for the people who will take the vaccine, who will mask, everything else. Um, we're going to hear a little bit later. It's going to be the exact opposite. Now, Hitler killed millions under pretense of living space. Gates want to kill, wants to kill billions, not millions, billions under pretense of more living space. Hopefully you're starting to connect the dots. But the question nobody wants to ask is, again, who gets our lovely new green cool planet and who has to be killed to reduce their carbon footprint? Robert F. Kennedy Jr. wrote at Children's Health Defense, an article title, and you can Google this, the Bill Gates effect 
WHO's DTP vaccine killed more children in Africa than the disease it, than the disease it targeted. And that report shows that African, quote, girls vaccinated with the DTP vaccine, the flagship of Bill Gates, Gabby, who African vaccine program died at 10 times the rate of unvaccinated kids, end quote. So right there, we have proof who he's targeting with these vaccines and proof that they're killing them. You can find that on the internet at Children's Health Defense. So instead of packaging a genocide under pretense of economics like Stalin did, Gates and Fauci and Soros and Schwab, they have two parts of their packaging to convince us that the population needs to be reduced. One, climate change, and two, health communism. Now, health communism is found in this. Even before people were wearing masks for a disease with no asymptomatic, with no asymptomatic transmission, the United States and Russia and China had been pumping sterilizations, contraception, and abortion all over the whole world, well over 50% of the planet. Okay, so now we're going to switch to Andromeda. And I'm not going to steal her thunder, but I do want to give a segue, just a little bit of an overview um, of why what she's going to talk about has to do with what I just presented. It's this. First, the globalist means of establishing the motive of ending this so-called overpopulation crisis has to do with coronavirus. Um, secondly, her work with XPRIZE, and we're going to hear how we can convince the left that we actually have enough room on this planet and we don't have to believe the globalist hoaxes on overpopulation. That's our medicine for overpopulation. It's actually medicine against an overpopulation myth. And then I'm going to ask Andromeda to close with her research on the coronavirus vaccine. And we're going to prove that is their medicine for overpopulation, but literally it's their medicine for overpopulation or so they think. So I'm going to hand the mic over, um, over to Andromeda and Tell us, Andromeda, why there is enough room on this planet for us to all chill out on panicking. Well, thank you, Father Nix. First, I want to plug your blog, and he didn't set me up for this. I just, um, I love video, um, you know, the audio options, but um, your most recent blog post um, was really just great. And, and I think it draws out some points to help Catholics um, be stronger in their faith, even though it's not, you know, like your CPX series, it's not necessarily directly on the faith, but it's a really good way um, to think about all the things that are happening in the world. It's a lot. <laughs> Thanks. And if, if uh, yeah. people are watching this in a month, what was that called? You edited it last night. I'm, I'm blanking out what I even called it, but in case people are watching this podcast in like a month or two or a year, if if there's still the grid, <laughs> what, did, what did I call that? It you was, know, I uh, wish I knew, but oh, it, I know it was, it was Stockholm, Syndrome, it was Stockholm Syndrome Part yeah. Two. Stockholm yeah. Syndrome Part Two. Yeah, thanks for the plug on that. Yeah, that was a terrific article. Oh, and I forgot when I was teasing you at the beginning in our little <laughs> banner, I actually didn't set you up. I was going to tease you about this. Um, I didn't give her a chance to prep for this little story, but tell us now. I'm, I'll wear the little mask over my chin when I go in places. Sometimes my mouth, if I'm really lazy, my nose. Andromeda is a hero. She will not wear the mask. So tell us the best story you had of getting accosted by people for never wearing the mask. Oh, is wow. It, this is, is... It too painful. To, I can cut it out if it's too painful to recount. But you seem to have, mm, you don't have fun with it, but you're definitely intractable. 
<laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I have been a little bit intractable and it has nothing to do with mask as mask. Like if there were, you know, a nuclear bomb dropped on top of Idaho tomorrow, I have an, you know, like a nuclear grade mask that I would like pop on my face if I needed to get from point A to point B without melting my face off. No problem. Um, but I'm not going to do it because, um, it, well, first of all, it's not reasonable. That's, that's the you know, the chasm I can't cross on many topics. If it's really not reasonable, if I've thought about it and read about it and come to a decision and I'm, um, I, I've got some certainty about, uh, you know, the reasonableness of something, you know, I'd like to make up my own mind. Um, and the very fact that we are um, being shamed for uh, thinking uh, just, you know, has made me intractable about the mask. Uh, so I haven't put it on. Um, I think one thing that I will note, cause there's been so many incidents, um, you know, that I can't pinpoint one, but they're all very similar in, for me, it's um, been a hundred percent women who come and mm. attack me. Who Some of them you, like under in a, in their, store or something you know, like that. what's that? Like in a supermarket, they come and say, why aren't you in the mask? Oh, they'll say something more snide, like, uh, you know, uh, mask work or, you know, they'll have some line that they'll kind of like under their breath, walk by and say something to me um, until I respond, you know, then they'll kind of confront me about it. But it has been 100% women and, um, and, you know, I, you know, it, it'll be some women like dressed, uh, you know, very scantily or, or inappropriately for where they are. And, um, and it'll be young, it'll be old, but it's been women. What do you and say back to them? What's that? What do you say back to them? Um, sometimes if I'm really caught off guard, you know, uh, I won't have much to say. Um, I might shake my head or um, or say thank you or, you know, something, un, you know, just not related to the topic. Um, sometimes I'll just say, I'm sorry, no, you know, um, or sometimes I'll try to be funny about it. Uh, my, my reaction is different. I think every time um, the, it's very hard, like I have to actively suppress the uh, more natural inclination to attack because <laughs> I, <laughs> I could be yeah. um, just as vicious as any other woman. <laughs> but that shows you there's a spiritual, not just a medical reality, but there's also a political and spiritual reality attached to it. I'll tell you, Father Nix, I joke with, I might've said it to you a couple times. Like if I were on the other side of the fence on this, I would be the worst enemy. Like people yeah. would hate me worse than, they would think AOC was like, a kitty cat, you know, compared yeah, I'm glad, to what I'm I I'm glad be. we have you on the right person's team because you'd be pretty, you'd be pretty vicious as a liberal. I would be. I, were. I, I were. Well, you, <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've been one and I, and I'm very, I can be very convincing, you know, um, when I want to be and um, without any of the supernatural virtues, you know, kind of imposing themselves on my natural inc inclinations. 
um, I can be kind of monstrous even. <laughs> So um, it's very good. You know, to have uh, you on the good guys team. This is what's great. Tell us about the coronavirus vaccine. Okay, so this is why I was excited to um, do something I'm usually uh, not excited to do, which is um, talk to people on a podcast. (laughs) Um, But I think there's a lot of confusion around this. There are people on both sides of the fence, you know, somebody will make a claim and then somebody will debunk it and people are left to, you know, believe one side or the other. And I just want to be one more voice to kind of document one time uh, and cite where you can go find the information yourself, where, you know, what's happened to the information why we're not talking about it. Um, And it has to do for me with one specific problem uh, with the vaccine that has not been researched, but was brought to light by um, one of the former Pfizer scientists. He was the CEO of um, their research arm. And uh, his name is Dr. Michael Yaden, I think that's how you say it. He is the co-petitioner on this 40-page document um, with a Dr. Um, Wolfgang Woodarg. And uh, his pe- the primary petitioner is um, one of the leading um, German advisors in all of their you know, country's health policies. So again, respectable um, public scientist and uh, Dr. Michael Yaden, um, formerly a Pfizer. So both of these guys are, you know, worth listening to. But since they published this document, um, they've been actively suppressed, at least um, from a media standpoint. This information has been, you know, just not debunked in the sense of actually addressing what they're talking about inside this petition, Um, but they have basically been suppressed. Just their voices have been drowned out, which is happening more and more. So I'm just gonna outline kind of five main points that they draw out and I'm gonna talk about one of them. So um, first and foremost, they talk about the formation of what's called a so-called neutralizing antibody or a non-neutralizing antibody that can lead to an exaggerated immune reaction. And um, you can think of these exaggerated immune reactions when you have hay fever. Hay fever is just like your immune system just kind of like overreacting to some, you know, kind of irritation in your body. And, uh, and the result is your eyes itch and you, your nose runs. Well, um, this kind of wild virus after a vaccination, so you get the vaccination and then you encounter the virus out in the wild, like a hay fever or something like that. And your body's already kind of ready to attack and it kind of over attacks this. And so um, the result in, uh, in studies around this um, non-neutralizing antibodies, the primary study is that when a cat, a set of cats receive the vaccination that they tested 
um, uh, them on, the, all the cats died when they got the wild virus. So they didn't die with the vaccination, but they died once they got the virus out in the wild because of this overactive immune system. So that's problem one. Um, the second problem, which is the one I'm, gonna, I'm most, uh, most concerned about is that- And that was the coronavirus vaccine that those cats got? Um, no, they, they did another type of, so I'll talk about okay, this you're gonna, talk about number two. Yep, gotcha. These mRNA vaccines are a new category of vaccines. They're different than, you know, like a flu vaccine where they just take, you know, kind of inactive, deactivated, um, um, you know, detritus from, from the actual virus and, and, and just shoot it up in you and it, creates a natural kind of progression to building immunity. These mRNAs uh, in vaccines uh, work on an entirely different level. And so these cats were tested on mRNA vaccines. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, early iteration of them. So um, number two, the vaccinations are expected to produce an antibody, uh, antibodies against spike proteins of the SARS COVID-2. So um, the spike proteins contain, um, it's called uh, syncytin-1. Um, and what syncytin-1 is, uh, it's basically the spike protein that, that generates placenta in women when they get pregnant. So the spike protein in SARS-CoV-2 is hom uh, homologous, which simply means, you know, it is, um, it has the same structure. And so anybody who says out there that, oh, you know, it's not same enough is um, wrong. It's wrong. Even if they're wearing a white lab coat and some stethoscope on their head when they're saying it, it's wrong because it is a homologous protein, and that's all that matters. So the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein and the syncytin-1 uh, protein are homologous. And that brings in the problem of, you know, what happens down the road when they, do, they don't know how long this effect will last, if it will be generated in everyone or some subset of people, we don't know yet because it hasn't been tested. And um, what the doctors here are saying in this petition is that there is the chance, a strong chance that the resulting outcome of, um, uh, you know, women in their reproductive stages of life, though they will be able to get pregnant, will not be able to carry the pregnancy through, they'll miscarry because a placenta will not develop because the placenta will come, your body will have a natural uh, reaction or an unnatural reaction to it because it'll see the spike protein that looks like the SARS-CoV-2 and attack it. So you'll basically have an autoimmune response to the syncytin-1 spike protein, which builds placenta. So this is what I care about most. Um, number three, that was number two, the mRNA vaccines for, from both biotech and Pfizer contain um, polythylene, um, this glycol PEG, they say 70% of 
um, people develop antibodies against the substance, which means that many people will de um, develop a, just a re allergic reaction to it, which could be fatal. So just like, you know, you get the vaccine, you go for your second shot and boom, you have some kind of allergic reaction to it and you may or may not survive that. We don't know. So um, number four is um, the short duration of the study didn't allow realistic um, estimation of what they'll call the latency effects of it. So that's just the long-term effects. We don't have any longitudinal data at all on this, any of the vaccines. Um, and, and all we're led, told to believe is that they are safe. Well, how do we know they're safe? We don't. We don't know if they're safe in the long term. We don't even know if they're safe in the short term for some people. And we're using people as, you know, guinea pigs. If there were a justified reason, like if the death rate, the internal fatality rate of SARS-CoV-2 um, kind of played out the way uh, early estimations had it, maybe. You know, maybe if this was, you know, the Black Death and a third of people who um, contracted this were, you know, they were dying at every age. So it wasn't just some isolated group. It's just like anybody who got it, you got a 30% chance of dying. Then there might be some justification to do human trials. Um, I think you, still you case. and I would be against it since they actually literally tortured a little girl to death to get this vaccine. That's um, right. If it I were mean, ethically made, uh, but, but, you know, even with 30% dying, I would still say one, don't take it. Cause it was taken from a tortured little girl, at least the line wasn't taken directly from her, but, that's but right. the lines. And then yeah. secondly, if this is really going to destroy people's placentas, we're talking about that movie, children of men, where you can't like humanity can't reproduce anymore. Well, that's worse than 30% bubonic plague. You know, that's right. that seems pretty obvious. And then here's yeah. a, I texted a fire medic I know in Denver here. Um, he was telling a couple of us at dinner the other night how many EMS calls he's seen on people who've had the second COVID vaccine shot. And I just couldn't believe what he was telling us at dinner. Um, he, uh, I texted him today, can you text me something that I can include in my podcast without your name? And he said, this is a direct quote from his text. One third of the EMS calls we ran the other day were related to the second shot for the COVID-19 vaccine. Another medic I work with ran a 67-year-old core zero, which means cardiac arrest, the other day with no comorbidities, who had just received the second shot for the vaccine, was found dead four days later after getting progressively more sick after the shot leading up to his death. So he was getting this from guys. I don't even think these guys were Catholic or Christian ones who were texting about these calls when we were at dinner. One third of the EMS calls that ran the other day were related to the second shot for the COVID-19 vaccine. Again, no comor comorbidities. So you know, it's like, it's like I said to you off the air before we started recording Andromeda. Um, we're not going to change anybody. We are not going to change anybody's mind, but I want people to hunker down in their good decisions. Maybe we'll change two people's minds out there, but I want yeah. people to be able to hunker down and know they're not crazy. But I do want to repeat what Bill Gates said. The world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. So right there, he admitted vaccines are to wipe out over a billion people. 
um, or nearly a billion. So <laughs> tie that in with what you just taught us about the placenta and you have the movie Children of Men where it's a dystopian movie where men and women can't reproduce anymore. Wow, mission accomplished for what I called Green Lebensraum. Yeah, and, and I think if I want to be really generous about this, um, you know, and, and, you know, not make it, um, not make them out to be, uh, you know, some evil genius, which yeah. they very well might be. Sure. But if they're just, if they're really worried about, um, you know, this uh, virus <laughs> um, and they're really thinking, you know, oh, I'm going to be the guy who like cures this and this is going to be great. I'll leave a legacy. I'll be the guy who, you know, developed a new sort of vaccine so we can address all the viruses, you know, you know, just put them in the best light. Well, they still know that there is a potential for what they might deem a trade-off, you know, like, okay, well, you know, yeah, maybe we'll kill some people. Maybe some people won't be able to reproduce, but the outcome is ultimately worth it. And um, certainly no Catholic um, can, can think of it that way. You know, we're just, it's just not, listen, we can't do a trade-off um, like that. And you, you wrote a great blog post on a different topic, but you know, these uh, we, we can't do anything evil for, you know, um, some good means or some good outcome. Um, uh, this is not permissible. In this case, um, you know, I, even if I didn't know anything about the negative impact, because I'm not so worried about dying all the time, you know, uh, there's just no way I'd take this vaccine because um, it's, connection to, uh, you know, abortion and the abortion industry, I wouldn't even care if um, the, the matter was so remote as to only have involved, you know, the kidney cell of one aborted baby. Um, I personally uh, would definitely not um, uh, knowingly um, move forward with that. But in, um, you know, Catholic morality, you know, doctors and nurses are not permitted to um, to engage, even if this abortion question was not in the picture. They're not permitted to engage in human experimentation when um, uh, you know when we're in a situation like this, when uh, imminent death to all people, you know, um, is not in front of us. Um, and, we, and one of the reasons I don't let moral theologians get to this discussion on remote and proximate is because for six months I've been saying the vaccine's not necessary. It's and not necessary. The, it's not necessary. That before, and that's what you have to discuss before you look at remote versus proximate. And one that's of the right. things I said, maybe it, was, maybe it was more like four months ago, is I said, well, look, they're going to play this whole next strain after next vaccine after next strain after next vaccine after next strain of coronavirus after next vaccine. People probably thought I was crazy. Let me read you from CBS. This is this is mainstream media. This is CBS News, one of their evening, evening things. I'll just read you the title. You can find this at cbsnews.com. Third shot may be needed to combat new coronavirus variants, comma, Bill Gates says. So if you take 
the first shot, we got to take the second shot. But if you take the second shot, you also have to take the third shot. Oh, and by the way, we know there's going to be a fourth shot because there's going to be another variant or strain. And this is what I said four months ago, but now the mainstream media is reporting it. It's going to be a never ending cycle of vaccine uh, or rather new strain or variant after new vaccine until we're zonked out of our minds. So, you know, even if there's people out there that disagree with us, just realize, just realize you're signing up for a battery of vaccines if you agree to this. If you're actually afraid of this strain, um, you better be equally afraid of the next strain. And this is why I call this podcast Medicine for Overpopulation. The left has their medicine for overpopulation, and we have our medicine for the myth of overpopulation, which is education. It's true education to say there's enough room on the planet, there's problems of maldistribution of resources, and killing off Africans and the other people they want to test this vaccine on, people who are dumb enough to try to destroy their placentas, that's not the people that we want to wipe out for this green Lebensraum, enough room for just the elite to live. And this is the problem. We're right back to the elite. I saw there was an article in, I think it was Epic Times, that shows that the frontline workers, over 50% of the frontline workers are not taking this vaccine. And I don't remember the stat on the politicians, but there's a, politicians aren't taking it. They're the elite that don't want to destroy their lives either. So, you know, right. don't- and these are, these, these are not just conservative doctors and frontline workers who are not taking it. Um, you know, there's, there's a group of doctors in Portland and they're perfectly liberal. And the response to why they won't take it in an ABC piece was simply like, uh, I need some data. I'm waiting for the data. I'm not going to, you know, like I'm a man of science. And, uh, and so I, I prefer to have data in front of me before I administer or take it myself. Yeah. Well, thanks for giving us all the data today, Andromeda. I don't know if that was a lot of data, but it was was a pleasure to be here. It was enough. You know what? It was enough to get people to go do their own research. This is what I, you know, it's like, People don't have to believe us, but why don't you at least know both sides of the coin? That's why I started off talking about how you were a Berkeley liberal. You know, people can criticize us. People were surprised. I think the most common question I got on CPX, I did on question and answer was I used to have dreads and work for Amnesty International. And that's what's funny about you and me. I was with Amnesty with dreads. That doesn't give us credibility, but here's what it does say. It does say we've seen both sides of the coin. There's a lot of people who've only seen the trad side of the coin. There's a lot of people who are just glued to CNN. Doesn't mean we're right, doesn't mean we're holy, doesn't mean that we're super experienced, but the fact we've seen both sides of the coin, I would say the world is so brainwashed by the mainstream media, at least go look at both sides of the coin. It's um, exactly right, yeah. Uh, I, was it Catherine Emich? She has this vision Emmerich. of a family sit, sitting in front of a black box and like demons are coming out of them. She was so right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, turn that off, turn that off, get your own research, convince who you can, and then don't be ashamed. Don't apologize for refusing to destroy your progeny. God bless everybody. Thanks for joining us. Good night.